Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Hey, sexy pants, it's the Nerdist Podcast number 459. Go over to the Nerdist YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Nerdist. There's a ton of fantastic stuff that I'm very proud of that's going on over there. We have a good team. We absorbed a lot of G4 folks, Attack of the Show people. I've been calling it Attack of the... No, I've been calling it G4.1. Um, and uh, Attack of the Almost show. But uh, we have uh, Jessica Chobot's been doing an almost daily show for us, Nerdist News, which is uh, which people are watching. She's fantastic. So go check that out. Also, uh, Team Nerdist recently bowled Team WWE. Uh, we bowled against CM Punk and Fandango and Kofi Kingston and AJ Lee. So that's over on the Nerdist YouTube channel as well. Subscribe while you're there so you can see uh, more stuff. You don't have to hunt it down. It's just part of your subscription. Why am I telling you how subscriptions work? I'm a jerk. Uh, I would like to uh, thank for sponsoring this episode of the Nerds Podcast. Nature Box. Healthy, awesome snacks. To re- they, it's, they almost deliver it right to your mouth. They don't think they offer that service, so you'll just have to pretend that they're delivering it in your mouth. But they will bring it to wherever you want, give them an address, and know you can't put an address on your mouth. Let's let that go, okay? Naturebox.com. Uh, healthy snacks, delicious snacks, no corn syrup, artificial sweeteners, or flavors. Uh, it's a subscription service. Starting at $19.95, you can en- enjoy and discover healthy snacks on a monthly basis. Each bag is full size. They have three to four servings of that snack in it. That's a ton of food. Use the coupon code NERDIS for 50% off your first box at naturebox.com. It's only $10. $10 for your first NatureBox. Go to naturebox.com, use the promo code NERDIS, and thank you very much to NatureBox for sponsoring this episode of NERDIS Podcast. Which is Jerry Stahl. Now, uh, Jerry Stahl wrote Permanent Midnight. And recently, Mark Marin sent me a text and said, Hey, Hardwick, I don't know if you know Jerry Stahl, but he's a pal of mine. I think he'd be great in your podcast. I read all of Mark's texts out loud, uh, doing a very poor impersonation of him. But it's all done out of love. Uh, right where the love muscle in the center of my chest lives. And, uh, and so I was like, sure, I'll, I'll have him on, Mark. Let's, let's, uh, let's have a little guest sharing program. Uh, well, it'll be like a covalent bond uh, for all you chemistry dorks out there. And so Jerry came on, and he was fantastic. What an interesting guy. Um, he has been through some shit. I, I've been through some kind of shit. Jerry has been through 
<laughs> like a shit Mordor. So, uh, and he's come out the other side. He threw the ring into the fire, and he has the, his emotional ring into the fire, and he has emerged on the other side. And what an interesting, hilarious, fantastic guy. His uh, new book is called Happy Mutant Baby Pills, and it's available now wherever books are sold. So you should absolutely pick it up, and then everything else he's ever written. I think you're going to dig this guy. If you, if you hadn't known before, he's been doing the podcast circuit a little bit, but... Uh, uh, if you hadn't heard of another podcast, then uh, you will enjoy the Nerds Podcast number 459 with Jerry Stahl. Now entering Nerdist.com. Yeah, but the Christopher Lloyd one was really, yeah, yeah. It was weird. It was really, we weren't sure what to expect because he's like real old and quiet and slow. And oh, was, yeah, he was a little, t- at first. He I started was like, off a little sluggish. Yeah, was, yeah. He was a little tight at first. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then he, he, and then he loosened up. Yeah. He seemed to enjoy himself. He seemed, he yeah. I'm surprised that he enjoyed himself. I love when you said you were just going to do 12 episodes and keep him tied to a chair. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of funny. We could have just yeah, yeah. even just hearing him, like when he was just talking about like his process, I was just like, it's like wow, it just sounds so beautiful coming from you. One of my yeah. favorite lines of, of all podcasts was him going, "Judge Doom." <laughs> I, I mean, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Got to play some great characters, Judge Doom. I mean, fuck. <laughs> oh, so you know, you know what you do and who you are. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, that was definitely a. When we first started the podcast, I mean, he was definitely one of those guys yeah. for me. Like, oh my god, maybe someday. Yeah. And then you meet him, and you're like, oh, he's just a guy. He's just a guy, and he's not really working. And he because you know, he's doing that cyber show of some kind. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a PBS. It is, it's a PBS show. It. Yeah, it's a yeah. PBS show. Um, but we're here to talk about you, Jerry. Are you recording? You're already recording. You're so good, Katie. Oh my god, you're already recording. She's she's That's that good, Jerry. Preamble. Yeah, it's a good. Wow. <laughs> we'll have to cut out all the Kyle talk and the Christopher Lloyd talk, and then yeah. we'll just start. Yeah, on Christopher the... Lloyd talk is good. Shows that Jerry listened to the show, was able to talk about it. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I listened to some shine. You know, yeah. <laughs> Mar- <laughs> Marin turned me on to you guys, actually. He did. Yeah, he's oh, a fan. By complaining about he's it, he's not or, a fan. Uh, he was well. You know, he said. <laughs> it, I think what he said was he loves to abuse you, but you like it, and you're great friends. <laughs> is any he of that said true? I liked it. <laughs> did you just do a show? I did. I did. I did just do a show. It was really fun. I, I got the impression it was a great experience for all involved. It what, really was what, what actually. I I, abs- I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved yeah. working on that show. It's fun because yeah, it's a uh, it, it it basically it's basically like a safe zone of truth <laughs> where he writes trust stuff. Bubble. It is a trust bubble where he writes stuff and you read it and you go, I I know this is what he I know I this is kind of what he really thinks about me. But it's okay, and we're kind of making fun of it. And he even said before we shot, he was like, "Hey, man, if you want to, there's anything you always want to say to me, just throw it in there, just riff it in there, That's you know, or whatever." World, yeah. And uh, and it was really fun. And so you know, we did. It it was it was it was entertainingly therapeutic. But yes. I had a blast. It was yeah. yeah. Yeah, I talked to him about. It. He said you were really funny. Oh, did he? Yeah, he oh, said, that's he, nice. He said yeah. you dug in, and it was cool to see that. I yeah. loved it, and and the stuff between uh, him and uh, Mike Michael Ian Black. Just fucking killed me. They were so goddamn funny together. So it was yeah. it was a good. I, yeah. I had a I had a blast. Yeah, I just wrote one of them 
for the for oh, the, you did? For the new season. Oh, nice. So it's great. That's really well, cool. Well, for me, it's great because you get to hang out in a room full of fucking comedians. Which yeah, is like Dave heaven. Anthony. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm like a frustrated stand-up who just put it in a novel. So, <laughs> you know, to be in a room and not be sitting in, you know... The Garrett. Yeah. So, it is great. fun. Yeah. Same thing, slightly different medium, same thing. Yes, but you have to be all the comedians when you're by yourself. You have to just fill all the voices in your head. We do yeah. have to. Well, that's why um, most comedians are like the plot of the movie Speed. You can never get below 55 miles an hour. That's true. So we don't explode. So that's that's how we keep the voices down. I'm going to have to chew on that metaphor, man. That is, <laughs> wow. But not speed two, just yeah. speed one. No, not the no. boat one? Come it, on, please. Jerry. Cruise control. Yeah. Um, I just lost my host. So now. wait, so in this case, Dennis Hopper is anxiety. Yeah, that's right. And is it... Uh, and we have to be Keanu Reeves. Or Sandra Bullock. Well, or, so we Was have it to, Alan Ruck? Was Alan Ruck the co- his cop buddy that goes to the wrong house? No, that was Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Alan Ruck, where did I pull that from? He's everybody else's cop buddy. Yeah. <laughs> That's his. That's what it says on his resume. Yeah, cop buddy. Um, but yeah, but Mark Mark said uh, Mark introduced like he he said, hey, uh, you know, my friend, would you guys have my friend Jerry on? He's really cool, and and you know, he did permanent midnight a bunch of us. I'm like, oh, absolutely. And I was just reading, I, I was reading this morning, like, oh, I'll see what else. But your your career is amazing. I mean, amazing. Just the the, the TV stuff that you've worked on. Can we talk about Alf for a second, please? Well, we can talk about Alf. Uh, <laughs> I think worked on might be a little bit of an exaggeration. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> I sort of slept my way to the middle, and I married a woman who needed a green card who knew a producer. Okay. And I had never done TV. Uh, I didn't know even where to put the margins. Never heard a final draft. <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm on Alf writing a couple episodes. <laughs> Shooting up in the bathroom, trying not to look at the puppet hanging in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Chompers. Yeah, who I think in real life was like some little Romanian dwarf who like only put in one appearance, you know. Oh, it was It was just, and then there was a puppeteer the rest of the time. Oh. I'm, yeah. making, I'm making the puppet universal puppet. Yes, yeah, yeah, the puppet hands. Yeah, which is also yeah. the yap 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 women. Am I right? That's that also. That yap, yap 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 yeah. puppets. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty incredible. That uh, so you did you did you actually did you have never actually write anything for? The no, show? I wrote a couple things for the show, but because of Permanent Midnight in the movie, yeah. people think I like invented Alf. So literally on my tombstone will be, he only wrote two Alfs. <laughs> no matter how many novels, you know, whatever Nobel nod, I, I will never get. It's always, oh, you're the Alf guy. <laughs> a, a, your, your next book could be like uh, a Pulitzer and two Alfs. Yes, yes. I'd be lying about the Pulitzer, but th- not the Alf. Well, not, yeah. maybe, by not, maybe not by that time. No. Maybe not by that time. Well, I think people take you a little more seriously in the literary world when you've got an Alf. Yeah. I think they do, yeah. You know, yeah, a couple you... of Alfs behind you. It's like, that says this liter- is a, this literature. This is a two-Alf mm. book. This is a, this is a two-Alf yes. book. you got a couple Thank Alfies. You. I give Thank this you. Alf. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, would you, you could actually, I guess in theory, you could write a, you could title a book Hey, I just want a Pulitzer, and people would be like, "Did you just win a Pulitzer?" And you go, "No, no, that's just the title of the book." But do, do you think that that makes it so that they, the Pulitzer committee, would be like, "Nah, that was kind of lame." He kind of he put that in the title. I don't know that I'm in the running, and that would knock me off. But <laughs> I, I thank you. Yeah, <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> Had he only not made that lame joke about the Pulitzer, he would have he would have been on the on the on the yeah. short list. But who's winning? Stahl? Let's see what he's been up to. What's this? Oh, oh, God, hacky. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Loser. Let's take away one of those elves. He Ulitzer. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> I think you're getting the Pulitzer now. Yeah. Yeah. Jonah Ray. Uh, words are Ulitzer. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, so let's talk. What, what, what have you not? What do you? Where did you start? And what did you want to do? And did you think I you'd wanted end to up fail here? in all genres? That was <laughs> that was what I set out to do. And I, you know, I've gotten there. You pretty think? Much. Yeah. You jazz know, funk? Have you failed in jazz funk yet? Uh, I went with fusion. Oh, there you go. I went a little cover to the left. The, you got to cover. I just went it, a yeah. little. I was you know, very Al Demi. You, you say that. <laughs> yeah. You say that. I wanted to fail in all genres is kind of a. I assume is a self-deprecating joke, but it's actually. That's it's actually true. It's actually yeah. not a bad goal because <laughs> no. you can't. You aim high. You can't really succeed until you fail at things first. And so, if your goal is to look, if your goal is I want to succeed in every genre. You could be d- easily disappointed because you're most likely going to fail first. Thank you. But if you say, I'm going to fail in every genre, mm-hmm. then what you're doing is learning in every genre so, genre so that That's you true. can then succeed. So That's it's actually true. kind of an interesting – and if your goal is to fail, it takes away the fear of failure. Because that's, that's your fucking goal. Yes. So yeah. that that's really interesting. Did you get my text, Kyle? I did. Oh, you're very nice. You know the thing is, is if when you're when people always say jack of all trades, like it's like hey, he kind of does a lot of different stuff. But you're still Jack is pretty high up on the. Uh, sure. <laughs> still uh, the ten. He's still in the castle. <laughs> he still lives in the castle. He's not a he's not a peasant. Do you do you feel like it's important to specialize in one specific thing, or do you do you think nah. no, it's good to do a bunch of different? I just stuff. love to write, you know, and uh, I spent a lot of years doing research on heroin so i didn't really get a chance to publish a book till i was 40 so, uh, it's like tennessee williams that he used to lie about his age he would shave off like four years and then bust money so i don't count the years i worked in a shoe store you know, so for, that's how i feel about it god know. damn yeah. it i never thought about the years that i was drinking all aka my 20s as research yeah that's a really great way to think about sure it you didn't know it was research to time yeah. no for me it was a great career move i mean i got the book out. i had six unpublished novels before that which just appeared in Playboy, or you know, the first chapters here and there, and then you know, lose everything you have, destroy your health, sabotage your love life, and disappoint your family, and you can get a book. That's what I tell that's, the kids. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You do that. <laughs> when people are like, "Hey, Jerry, how did you make it?" You're like, "Oh, you know, don't. don't that's not. You don't yeah. need to worry about that. Yeah, take just, it from me, relax. kid. Relax." Yeah. yeah, but you can go back and write off all that heroin, though, you know, retroactively. For, for tax purposes. Yeah, for tax yeah, purposes. Yeah. Well, did, well, if only I'd gotten receipts. <laughs> <laughs> the most professional dealer. It's like, all right, and here you, you go. Here you are, sir. Yeah, yes. you might want to put this in a safe. Do you have your yes. parking ticket? We'll validate that for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you want us to stamp that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, yeah. one more stamp and you get a free heroin. <laughs> That's right, free balloon. Uh, free here's, balloon. Here's our commemorative spoon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, hilarious heroin dealings. Mm. Yeah, that, I, the wacky world of hard narcotics. So what was it? What do you think it is? was about you specifically that you were... This isn't really something that a lot of people come out of well. Or at least if they come out of it, you know, they can be kind of damaged uh, on the other side. But what was it that you were oh, able yes, to... Oh, re- yes, no damage on my part. You <laughs> seem fine. I'm great. Thank you. <laughs> but what was it about you that made you, that, that you think that kind of uh, allowed you to turn all this horribleness into something positive and constructive? Well, I think uh, 
I don't want to use the word artist because it's so pretentious, but if you're like a stand-up or a painter or a writer of any kind, you can use all that pain and suffering and weirdness and humiliation, you know, and do some of it. If you're an accountant and you live, you live that life, you basically just blow your brains out, you know, mm-hmm. unless you really get uh, serene <laughs> and spiritual. But, uh, you know, for people in our particular line of work, if I may sure. flatter myself... Uh, you know, it's all material. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, and and so it sort of makes you feel bad in a way for people who don't have the ability to express, uh, to express in some way what they're going through. Like like if someone just if someone has a you know, I'm, I have a business job and I'm a businessman yeah. and then I go through all this horrible stuff. Like, what do you think people like that can do to help express the things that they've gone through if they don't have any type of an artistic background to kind of get that out get a ghostwriter. oh nice i think that's what they should do and then you know tell the story of like the tire salesman who went to hell and back (laughs) (laughs) rip the lid off that whole thing you know (laughs) uh yeah are are you aware that it's happening while it's happening like when you're shooting up in the bathroom next to an alf puppet are is there any part of you that it's going someday (laughs) (laughs) but i mean is there any party that's going i don't Mm, I don't think I should be doing this or at the time are you just too focused on I just need to get this heroin into my body I think it's sort of both you know the way it it was for me uh, not to be a heroin spokesmodel um, (laughs) my de facto job description you have far too much meat on your bones you you have good muscles yes well you know I got the implants as soon as I I could (laughs) Uh, just because I wanted the painkillers I think what it is is you do these really mortif this really mortifying shit to get the drugs and it's so mortifying that you have to get high and obliterate the memory of what you did to get the drugs that get you high that you need to obliterate the memory of what you did it's just like a fucking snake eating its tail wow it's it's that that, that is does like, that make any sense it, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah, does yeah. actually actually it sounds like a really fucked up emotional rube goldberg contraption at best yes <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure Rube Goldberg would love that, <laughs> Where, wherever he is now in his complicated coffin that no one can figure out, <laughs> that no see, one could put together. No, you Did you see the burial? It was crazy. crazy. They had to light the candle, which yeah. broke the string, and then this little sailboat went across. Ooh, and, and, yeah. yeah. And then pushed it forward. Yeah. Uh, Poor Rube. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's always fucking bagging on. What a Rube. <laughs> you know, his name lives on. <laughs> Was he the Rube? At MIT. Is he, is he, he can't is he be the original Rube? No. Rube has to just be a word. Well, that's an old carny term, you know, uh, as you probably know, in, in old timey carnivals, when somebody was like fucking with you or trying to rip you off, they'd cry Rube. And, oh, yeah. And all the carnies would come out and beat the shit out of the person. And rhubarb used to kind of be a uh, an insult, I believe. Like the vegetable, like this rhubarb over here. Maybe some, I don't know. I it's think funny you, because I, think I was just that. called a rhubarb. Rhubarb. Someone yeah. called you a rhubarb, and I didn't know how to take it. Yeah. Now you can go You're back trying, and get mad at that yeah, person. Yeah. You're trying to swindle that person. Trying to get him yeah. to see the uh, the conjoined twins. Hey, it's Jerry. <laughs> remember when you said that thing about rhubarb? You. What the fuck did that mean? <laughs> God, I don't remember. So sideways, man. Yeah. Um, yes, rhubarb, the forgotten fruit and/or vegetable, whatever it is. So what is it that you think that, uh, you know, because I'm sure that there are some people who are listening that are struggling with, maybe it's not something as intense as heroin addiction, but it could be some type of an addiction. Well, you can't compare. As, as um, the great Hubert Selby, I don't know if you know, he wrote Requiem for a Dream. Oh, yeah, and of course. Naked, uh, not Naked Lunch, um, 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 Last Exit to Brooklyn. I'm confusing my junkie 
icons. <laughs> Basketball <laughs> because, Diaries. Yeah, uh, you know, he wrote all of those things. It's really amazing. And then he, he recorded, you know, <laughs> Lou Selby, wasn't that his name? Um, he used to say, you can't, you can't compare pain, you know, and... Uh, because he always used to tell this story once he uh, he was in the hospital before there was penicillin and he did tuberculosis and they gave him the shit that made him blind and he could hear but nobody knew he was awake and, and the doctor would always say, well, at least you're not Selby. He would oh, always say that to the people oh. that were next to him. And so I always remembered that when I was first getting clean. He would say, you know, you just can't fucking compare. Yeah. You know. Do you, were you a, do you think you had a predisposition to this type of addiction or... Where you're just like, oh, I'm just a regular guy at a prep school, and then one day someone's like, <laughs> nah, here, I, try this. Oh, my God. I always wanted to be a regular guy, but uh, no. <laughs> I, was, I always sort of felt like an outsider and, you know, did drugs from a very, very ridiculously early age, you know, like from the age of 30. My sister gave me mescaline when I was like 13. I'd never been drunk. God love her. Or maybe I stole it out of a drawer. I don't want to get the woman mad. And uh, I remember just being high as a motherfucker and looking at her and saying, will this like affect my grades? <laughs> Such a hipster. You know? <laughs> as I'm seeing screaming buses coming out of the sky, you know, with talking uh, pumpkins. Did it affect your grades? They got better. That's the well, that's that's crazy part. Yeah, I took my SATs on mescaline. It was great. Yeah, I used, <laughs> I used to hate seeing that, like kids that would just be total, you know, like just like drug kids at school, just like, you know, always stoned or doing acid or just cocaine in yeah, the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. And they would just get... They would just fucking get all A's, and I, it always would make me so angry. Yeah, well, I was half lying. I got half <laughs> A's and half like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> half unattended. Half C, the counselor. <laughs> I always, uh, I was always afraid to do drugs because I don't have the. I'm so prone to getting panic. Well, heroin, you do not panic. Oh, well, I'll give it a shot then. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, I think you should because it'll really. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I think uh, just uh, roll up your sleeves and get to work. Yeah, 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 yeah. so to speak. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, it'll calm your ass down. I mean, it really calms you down. I don't recommend it. No, 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 no. Uh, not these days. No, but uh, with Obamacare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. God know, knows how much it. that shit costs. Now. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's worse than heroin. <laughs> Uh, although I think in Congress they do get it, they get it free because you know they've had health care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah, fat cats there. with their heroin for free. Well, look at Rush Limbaugh. God bless him. Yeah. I mean, he did such a service for uh, sobriety because, like, when I was a kid, all the fucking cool guys, you know, Keith Richards and <laughs> Charlie Parker, <laughs> yeah. Lenny Bruce. But now you're coming up. It's like, hey, who's doing oxy? Fucking Rush Limbaugh. The oh, sweaty, man. sweaty old. Bastard, you know, fuck yeah. it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch to something cool. Mm. Yeah. Hey, did you did you wrote the fat? You wrote a fatty Arbuckle story, didn't you? I did. I wrote uh, a book called I Fatty, I that, fatty. Uh, Young Mister Depp option some time ago. Was he going to play Fatty Arbuckle in a fat suit? No, that okay. would have been interesting. No, it was just originally... knowing how obsessed he is with character work, I yeah. just assume that. No, that would have been Philip Seymour Hoffman at the time, but oh. uh, and and he was going to play Buster Keaton. Depp was. Of but, oh, uh, of course. This being Hollywood, it's one of those projects that I visit once a year and put flowers. <laughs> on the, Light some candles. Yeah, on the grave. Did you do uh, a lot of re- did you did, did you find out stuff that uh... Yeah, I found out he was innocent and had been framed, you know. The woman who he was accused of raping, Virginia oddly enough her last name was Rappé. Okay. R A P. Uh-huh. Mm. Uh she had given the keystone half the keystone cops the clap. 
which is oh, an image geez. I'm sure you want in your brain. But uh, so, mm-hmm. and it had an abortion the day before, and basically the mayor of San Francisco just wanted to, uh, or the DA was running for mayor, wanted some good material, and uh, they had a Paramount sent him a check and said, "Get this guy, you know, get this guy off our." I want to see all the Keystone cops uh, on their way to get, check and see if they have the clap. They, they almost all, didn't make it. They almost didn't because make they keep it. running into each oh, other. Yeah, exactly. And they took that turn. Yeah, and they all fell out. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. A lot of them never got treated for that very reason. They just kept tumbling out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it was. The, was. the Keystone cops were actually competent police officers before that, but yeah. the clap made them... It made them crazy. Yeah, it made them yeah. crazy. It messes up your driving skills. That was the problem. It was right to the eyes. Why, yeah. did they, why did they want to get rid of Fatty Arbuckle? Was he asking for more money or something? Well, he was the first guy to ever make a million bucks in Hollywood. And what happened is when that thing happened... Even though, whether he's innocent or guilty, he was so tainted because who's going to find a big fat guy funny after that? Yeah. Uh, and it was the advent of tabloid journalism. Hearst actually invented, you know, those composite photos where they would like stick a fat guy, in this case, on top of like a virginal waif. They would uh-huh. put these fake, like the Inquirer did it for years. Right. And these other papers. He was the first. Oh, wow. And so they just figured, this guy is tainted meat, so we got to dump him. Well, it's great that Hearst did that because if you've been to Hearst Castle, it was totally worth it. I, I think mean, it was. just gorgeous. <laughs> the indoor swimming pool built on the back of Fatty Arbuckle. I mean, it's gor- It's a gorgeous property. Yes, I don't disagree. I think every uh, everything he did, all the lines he destroyed, his- <laughs> and that talented wife he had. Yep. Hearst had. I don't know if you know. He had, he had like a no-talent <laughs> singer who he would keep paying. Wasn't that, that all of uh, Susan Cain was just uh, making fun of him, right? Yes. Yeah. The whole thing was just like, like, just he was hated so much that they just. Yes. It was, so the whole thing is basically a, a parody character piece. Susan Kane. It's just, it's just an early funnier die. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was so ahead of his time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> is there? Uh... And yet it lives on. <laughs> yeah. With a movie like this, is it? Do, do you do you hold out hope that someday they might come? I hold out no they... hope. <clears throat> I hold on no. I mean, you know, if it happens, it happens. It was nice. It's great to say in interviews. Yeah. Until somebody asks you, oh, is it going to happen? Then you have to go, well, I'm not really sure. Uh, Did you replace heroin with anything? Like in terms of you even... You mean in Fatty Arbuckle? But he... <laughs> <laughs> or, or in my life? <clears throat> no, I think um, I think there's a line. I think it's in the, in the movie Get Him to the Greek where he's uh, he's basically doing yoga a bunch. Yeah, people oh, yeah. do that. Yeah, and she's and she's like, you can turn, her- you can turn anything into heroin. Yeah. So yeah. true. A lot of wisdom in that. Do you feel like... Because I feel like when a lot of people... Um, you know, when a lot of people quit something and they go, well, I don't feel better yet. And then and then I've said, well, you'll feel better physically in some to some degree. But the quitting is really just the thing that gets your head clear enough so that you can then start doing the work to figure out why all this yes. other shit was going on. It's like the really the you know, the and not not to make it sound daunting, but just the quitting is is really the first step in the in the in the process yeah which nobody gets they think life suddenly is going to get great what i'm fucking still not happy yeah i know well you weren't happy before which is exactly. why you were doing all that shit so you got to figure yes. out why you weren't happy no it's tough i mean it's like particularly on heroin or or booze or anything else you know life is very black and white when you're strung out you either have it or you don't or you're on the way to get it and then suddenly you don't have it and life's nothing but gray area and you've got to fucking deal with it yeah and it's brutal but then there also is that expression of you know with junkies who gain weight, they say they put down the spoon and picked up the fork. Right. Mm. Because a lot of people just pack it on. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just, it's some you sort of- You need something. Something yeah. to control, right? To fill that God-shaped mommy hole. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that not the name of a thing? It will be. God-shaped mommy hole. There's yes. your Pulitzer. Thank you. Are you listening? <laughs> Alfred Pulitzer. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's all material. I mean, this last book uh, came out of experiences I had. And, you, you know, you end up milking it. Norman Mailer said all writers basically have one story they tell over and over with different characters. And, and in fact, Hoffman said to me, uh, well, you know, this isn't really about Fatty Arbuckle. This is you just writing another autobiography disguised as a fat guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always the last to know. You know, who knew? Were you like, shut up, Philip Seymour Hoffman? That's a little too close, man. Come on, man. Just make with the funny voices. That's my Philip Seymour Hoffman. I actually thought he was sitting here for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my eyes. I was about to fall asleep. (laughs) That's actually pretty good. (laughs) That's fucking great. (laughs) Jesus. That's really good. Thank you. I'll put it on the SNL reel. Weren't you in The Master? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hello, Talented Mr. Ripley, he Ooh. says the name of the movie. In the yeah. Movie. Just almost fall asleep and try and say lines. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, God. That's like how John yeah. DiMaggio taught me how to do uh, uh, taught me how to do Tracy Morgan, which is basically you just pull your chin to your chest. What are you guys doing over here? <laughs> yeah. Amos Lizzleman. Eric Bauza, who's a, who's a great uh, voiceover guy, uh, says to do Paul Giamatti, you have to just try and eat your chin. Ah, jeez, I got it. Ah, God. God, God, God. I hate Merlot. Oh, my God. That's fucking fantastic. <laughs> Are impressions part of your act? No, I don't. I don't. I, the only impression I do is of like a Hawaiian guy from back home. That's it. It's a lifelong impression. Yeah, it really yeah. is. That's all it is. And I put it on a bunch of different people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's uh, that's I don't I don't I don't do impressions. I like doing them. Yeah. I like doing them for fun and in you conversation. You're like a Frank Gorshin guy, where you do that thing on like the Ed Sullivan show, where they turn around and then turn back. Around. Yeah, yeah, and, and I just guy. pat my hair down. Yeah, and turn around. Yeah. Who is he? Yeah. Now he's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh. Um, you. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about writing porn for Hustler magazine. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> sounds, let's do that. That sounds awesome. Did you write? Did you write? Sound, that's like the Chris Farley show. <laughs> uh, remember when you? Well, it, I mean, because it, it's I, a funny story. What's exciting? Yeah. To, what, what I what I love about it is that you know you like as a kid I'd read these magazines and be like, these, what crazy encounters people have, and you're like, no, no, that's just a fucking guy in yeah, an yeah. office who's writing yeah. this. I like, never thought it would happen. Yeah, to exactly, me. exactly. Well, those are the pen, the fake penthouse letters. Which yeah, I used to write. Yeah. Which years later, guys are like, God, I jerked off to you. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh, that is just gross. <laughs> but it was even weirder with Hustler because I was the humor editor, and it is known, you know, as the <laughs> humorist yes, magazine. Yeah, yeah. And, and my gig was uh, people would send like genitally shaped fruits and vegetables from like Nebraska. And I'd have to write a gag about that squash that looks just like a. Uh. And uh, years go by. <laughs> and you're just like, wow, I went to college. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it was exciting. I got to, you know, live in a YMCA in Columbus with a bunch of guys with black lung disease. And then I was there when Larry got shot in the stomach. Holy shit. It was a crazy time. You that were? a crazy time. Yeah. Yeah. It was a long time ago. It was right when they... I, I took the gig because I wanted to move to LA and it was a free way to move to LA. I knew they were moving. So... Uh, Stayed six months, just long enough to get unemployment and see a lot of very weird shit. But I, I think 
that thing you said about you expect these wild guys. I thought I'd go to the office and it would be these wild fucking women. I get there and they're showing me around and they open this door and there's like ladies in like beehives, like Aunt B from fucking Andy Griffith, like <laughs> stuffing dildos in boxes. I'm like this is so not what I thought it would be. It's just uh, like that Simpsons episode where Bart sees the door to Mad Magazine yeah. and he opens it up, and it's just it's just the most you know the fantasy of just yeah. Alfred E. Newman going, "Hey, get out of here!" Yeah, 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 yeah that's what you want. Yeah. Yes, it was not that, and yet I was weirdly aroused by a room full of <laughs> So well, they are putting a dick in a box. Yep. Nope. I can't even top that. Yes, they <laughs> yes. were putting a dick in a box. Yeah, they're packing dildos. Yeah, back in dildos. So from there, uh, you know, it, when My that's next memoir. <laughs> did you ever have a long term plan? Did you ever? Did you ever? Th- I was not a career guy. I just wanted to write. You know, I really wanted to play music, but I sucked. So I just wanted to find something you could basically do naked, alone, and fucked up at four in the morning, and maybe make some money. You yeah. Know? And writing was that. So uh, back then, you know, I'm like older than your parents probably but uh you know in the 70s and shit like novel there were really funny ass novelists you know and i wanted to be one of those guys so uh i'm succeeding very well if this was the 70s i would be, I would be killing i would be if killing you were just a layer today on the 70s just a la- yeah uh so no i never had a plan the word career was not uh i always wanted to do stand-up but i was basically too fucked up to stand up so i just wrote just always wrote books wow because, I mean, at least now someone wants to write. Oh, they can just put it on the internet somewhere. And if someone Whole happens deal, to... Yeah. Still, but, but at the yeah. time, if no. you're a writer, you basically have a typewriter and you have That's a right. stack of pages. That's and right. then what do you do with them? Well, what I did was get rejected from a very early age. I started sending shit out. Uh, I had six novels before uh, Permanent Midnight came out that never got published in... Uh, there I go bragging. Sorry. <laughs> so, you know, you just, uh, I did a lot of journalism for a lot of years and uh, this and that, and then fell ass backward into TV. And then when Stiller did, uh, years after the dope thing, when Stiller was going to do Permanent Midnight, the money fell out. So he and I, he asked me to write a movie with him, this thing, What Makes Sammy Run. That's how I sort of got it really into, sh- into quote unquote show business, you know, writing that stuff, was working with him. Did you, uh, was it weird to see it? Was it weird to see the movie? And, or were, did you have a certain sense of, did you have a, a, some separation from it? Well, it's interesting. You know, I didn't write the movie, so I was a different kind of asshole in the movie than I was in real life or in the book. But yeah, I mean, seeing the worst moments of your life reenacted by movie stars nine feet high, um, you don't need therapy after that, <laughs> you know. Uh, Does it, it help? Well, it sure hits home that you were a dick, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, and it, it's, it definitely, I would say, I'd recommend it for everyone. If you can, if you can make that happen, <laughs> if you can make plus, a movie you, plus you're, in stel- you're in stellar company, you know, <laughs> like Larry Flint. Yeah. Know. How do you, uh, cause obviously it's really important when you see that and you go, wow, I was a dick and I can't believe I did all these fucked up things. And it... and yet they made a movie about me and how I'm noble a movie and well behaved. Who would give a shit? But how do you, uh. What's the process that you go through of forgiving yourself and being like, look, I, you know, I can't be any more sorry than I am. Like, what, how do you forgive yourself at that point so you can move on? I've never forgiven myself. <laughs> uh, I think eventually you realize that it's just another form of self-indulgence to keep beating the shit out of yourself. So you, you know, sort of try not to. Because if you, if you feel all that guilt, you're going to be the guy who walks into a room and just like radiates self-loathing, you know? Right. Which God knows I've been for years before I realized that people were passing out when I walked into a room. 
So uh, I think you do it as much for other people because uh, it just becomes a fucking bore, you know, to carry that cross around. Isn't it, I, that is interesting that you said that that it's self indulgent? I, I guess excessively beating yourself up can be kind of narcissistic in a way, right? And it was also, you know, my family business. You know, I come from a long line of self-loathers, so that was the stall family. And I say this as someone who's prone to doing that kind of stuff, really? too, of, of like... It's oh, funny, you, right, see, right. You, you seem very positive. And you I, I, you I, are I, that guy who walks in a room and I have the opposite reaction when I walk in a room. You, people don't cringe. No, no. Well, they do. They do. I'm sure they do. Like, what's he going to host an after show in here? Um, but, but I think... <laughs> come on now. Um, uh, but I... But I uh, I think the reason that I'm so positive is because I'm so prone to being negative. I understand, yeah. Like I, I I'm, I'm, I'm positive a lot of times in spite of myself. And, yes. and when I go home, and I've been trying to radiate positivity all day and try not to, you know, let the cracks of pieces of what is yeah. probably the real me through, then I, I, I go home at night and I just, I can just get kind of empty and and I'm negative and you know, like it, it all. That's the show I want to see. <laughs> yeah. I want to see funny. the after show for your day. Yeah. <laughs> fucking. Oh, I fuck Welcome to talking. Fuck you. I but hate because myself. because I because I really do feel like um, for most people, not all people, but sure. for a lot of people, I think I think happiness is a is a choice that you have to make and you have I to work right. for it. You yeah. have to work for it because it's. Um, Happy outcomes if you're not really trained to seeing what can be positive about a situation. I mean, you can take positive and negative out of a situation, but I think we get much more comfortable with things that are negative because it's easier to predict that outcome that Absolutely. something might not work out. So Absolutely. it's fuck it, it's just gonna fucking yeah, get ruined. That's right. Yeah. And that's really just a narcissistic control issue, I think. I think you're right. Yeah, it's that warm bath of misery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why try? Because this is just gonna, yeah, and then, no. you know, because. Those are usually we're usually very sensitive people, and we've been hurt a lot, and it yeah. hurts to be disappointed, and it hurts to lose things, and so yeah. that's the I think that's the biggest part you have right there is like no one want, you don't want to be disappointed. So if you assume the worst, uh, you know, my wife has real has a knack for that of just being like it's like well it's gonna go bad or that person's gonna be turn out to be shitty, so I don't want to become friends with them. You know that that's like a it's no one if you just assume that someone's gonna just fuck you over, you're just gonna not kind of end up making it happen. Not yeah, 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 self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I am not prone to quoting the Dalai Lama, but he did say many years ago, because I'm not a guy who like reads a lot of in-depth philosophy, but I have a book of Bartlett's quotations next to my toilet. <laughs> and uh, he said that happiness was the last radical act of the 20th century way back when. And, and it's true because things are so negative and so fucked up that it really is like the sort of craziest, most insane thing you can do is be happy yeah. and kind of keep those around you from being miserable. Well, I think it's, uh, I think it's very telling about our culture that um, a as someone who I would say tries to stay positive most of the time, and I, you know, I've been accused of being fake or inauthentic because I'm, because I'm positive, and, and I don't feel like I am, but... You know, I, I think people, I think we're in a time in our culture where people view negativity and cynicism as somehow more real than mm -hmm. being positive. And my, my feeling is like, well, they're both, they're both equal. I mean, like some, you know, mm -hmm. but, but why do you think, why do you think, why do you think people see that as more true 
necessarily than negativity yeah because life is so shitty <laughs> it can be but it can be uh, good too and it can absolutely be good but i think the art of it now is is trying to be happy in spite of the reality so many people are facing you know if you can find a way to transcend could listen to me I want to smack myself in the face right no, now. No, no, it's good. <laughs> because I'm being positive and it sounds negative. But I, I think the reality is, you know, it's such a harsh fucking time and so many people are suffering that I don't think you want to be happy, happy. You know, like, oh, it's all, like, I hate people who say it's all good. It drives me fucking crazy. <laughs> it's all good, I'm so, John. never all good. I'm, I'm so glad you said it because I only say it's all G and I'm glad. Uh... <laughs> well, you stop it. <laughs> you stop it though. No, no, no. It could I be don't. it's all grimy. You don't know no, what you're no. going to fucking say. <laughs> That's true. It's uh, all goo. It's, it is. It really is. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's much easier, but also it's, it's, it's taken less of a risk. You know, I, I get accused of being negative in my novel, especially this last one, because it's all about all the chemicals and shit and the food and malformed babies from like eating GMO corn. So it's a lighthearted romp. Sure. Um, but if you're funny <laughs> on top of that, that sort of de facto says, well, you know what? You laugh anyway, and somehow you get through. Right, yeah. You know, and, and that's maybe the most power you have at times, which is not to add to the shit that the world is already doing. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd rather stay positive and have moments of being disappointed in something mm-hmm. or someone yeah. than, you know, uh, living a negative life and then occasionally like going like, oh, I guess that wasn't so bad. I'd rather have it, sure. like, you know, I'd rather have the... You know, the, the more of my life, the, you know, the, the fraction mm-hmm. of it be higher and happier. So you and your wife sound like you're complete opposites. Yeah. How yeah, does yeah. that work? Does she it, get mad at you for being a Pollyanna? Uh, yeah, yeah. She'll like, she'll stop trusting people so much or, you know. Has just, she been, I mean, I don't want to analyze woman oh, because I don't know her, but has she been burned or what happened? Yeah. I mean, you know, she, uh, she, you know, it's, it really can, I can like track, track about, I don't even know if this is like right to talk about, but like her, her dad left twice when she was growing up. Like he like left the family and then he came back and then just left did again. Did it again? Yeah, he did it again. Oh, that is hard. Well, yeah, okay. it's harsh. And so yeah, that okay. kind of I think she radiates. Got some trust issues. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had to break her in. I had, I had so like, you left a couple times. Just yeah, to no, no. Come back. I had to like I had to go like it's like hey, uh, I'm not. I'm like, not your dad. Yeah. No, she because she would be like if you want to break up with me, you can. That was happened a lot early on in our that relationship. That is sexy when somebody yeah. says that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, can I? <laughs> Uh, but wow. yeah, there was a lot of me having to just go like, it's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not going anywhere. You know, I'm not going, I just, you know, I had to let her know that because, and I can't blame her because that's a crazy thing to happen. Of course. It's just, uh, it's like, it's like, Hey, you're leaving. Oh shit. This is crazy. Oh, dad's back. Awesome. Everything's going to go back to hold on. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, you know what Hemingway said, you know, the greatest gift for an artist is an unhappy childhood. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if maybe he was just giving her a gift in the hopes that she would be an artist. And know? she is. She's a great one. Well, there you go. It yeah, all yeah. worked. Yeah. You know? Well, I think it's, I think it's, you know, I, I, I think the world has always been a really fucked up place. I just think that now it's so interconnected that we're aware of it. Yeah. There and, and, and obviously, obviously the misery has scaled up exponentially because you know now there are six billion people on the planet as opposed to you know one billion people on the planet uh so not only are we more aware but there are more people and so you know it's just the the proportionally the the misery has gone up but then i also think there's still you know there's still good shit too there's still good shit too and we have to you really have to not be disrespectful to the bad shit but also you know fuck man how long do you want to yeah. be miserable you know it's just it's yeah. just not worth it especially as you start getting older mm-hmm. and then you start going yeah i'm not gonna be here forever and i probably at some point should try to you know at least 
at least if I'm going to be miserable, at least maybe if I could be happy to make other people happy, yeah. at least there's something sure. there. You know, like yeah. I don't know, but it just doesn't. That makes sense. I just yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to get to be at the end of my life, which hopefully will be in thirty or forty years, and then, and then as I'm dying, go. Oh, I sh- I sh- everything would have been fine. I should have just chilled out, you know? Yeah, I don't yeah. think anybody says in her deathbed, I wish I was more negative. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God um, damn it, I was so positive. Yeah, I could have been me. more I mean, negative. But it's tricky. I mean, I just had another kid, you know? And when you have a, you know, you bring a kid into this world, cornball as it sounds, you, everything feels more urgent. Like reading about water wars in 2020. Mm, yeah. And, uh, you know, the fact that it's not going to, you know, food riots. And you're like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So the least you can do is try to be positive so they have some fucking defense yeah. against the looming shit cloud, which may or may not be about to rain. Yeah, it's know? not good to be a sky is falling parent. No, I was yeah. raised by a couple of those. And, they, oh, yeah. and then what they did was basically pull the sky out and throw it on me. So, you know, <laughs> it, uh, it, has a long, it has a long-term effect. But you have an yeah. older daughter too, right? Yes, every 23 years I pop one out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, that's my gig. I pop so, out another little girl every so 23 what, years. So what, In fact, I'm so old now. The, the trick is, excuse me for interrupting, is like, will I be in diapers before she's out of them? That is, <laughs> that's the eternal question yeah, I'm yeah. staring at. Unless you're into of. infantilism, which you yeah. wrote about on CSI, right? I did, yes. Thank you for bringing that up. Of course. Yeah. Uh, there's a transition. Yeah. That's pretty good. I, uh, that was a great segue. Yes, hey, great, I did. Great job, Chris. Thanks, man. Well, he yeah. said diapers, and I just went with it. You went good, with good, it. good, good. Free association, and it worked out. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, what I love about sh- things like CSI is, you know, uh, I got to do some of them more darkest, fucked up, strangest, quote unquote, another word I loathe, transgressive, very trendy literary term, um, material like the nine o'clock family hour on CBS that I ever did in a book, but I had like 20 bazillion people looking at it, which is kind of cool, you know? Um, But I stirred up controversy because not just in that one, but I also wrote about plushies and furries, and mm-hmm. I, I confused which were the guy, the people who fetishized by dressing as a ca- cartoon character animal right. with those who just dress as like an animal animal. Mm-hmm. And they apparently picketed in front of CBS because they were <laughs> outraged. That must have been an adorable picket line. I think it was just to die for. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, if you I like I like the idea too that there'll just be a bunch of you know plushies or furries outside of a place, and then there's kids walking by going, "Hey, <laughs> look hey, at it! This is yeah. some good family fun going look on at here." This sexual fetishism, yeah. Why are they wearing public. leather panties? Yes. Yeah. Why does that sign say "Keep your writing off my coming"? I don't understand. Oh, what that mean, huh? <laughs> I mean, your, what does that mean? Wow. Keep your writing off my ee coming. Yes. <laughs> and let's write in all hated capital, hated yeah. capital letters. Hated capital letters. Hated capital letters. You wrote that book, The Big Room. All, yeah, it was yeah. very crazy. Yeah, and then look, look, kids we're all today, like literary references. Kids today, they uh, all caps. They love all caps. Do they? It's only like when they're sh- excited. They're, no, screaming, no, all they're the screaming at you. Yeah, that's all it is. They're just screaming. Yeah, yeah, and they hate uh, they hate vowels too. Internet speak, they lot take all the vowels out. Yeah, it's just quicker. Well, if you if you're on Twitter, I mean, you need, you need the, that vowel space. That's true. That's true. So, what did you? Uh, what were what were you able to? So, with this 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 sky is falling family that you had, and then you have a daughter who's 23. What did did you? What did you impart to her when she was growing up? Well, I shudder to think what I imparted to my older daughter, who has transcended, and is herself a writer who's writing a book with one of the all-time great titles to me, Am I a Bad Conversationalist? <laughs> a new book by Stella Stahl to look out for soon. Because uh, now I'm the subject and the butt of all the humor, the way sure. I, I talked about people mercilessly in uh, 
permanent midnight. And now it's like, ow, fuck, that hurts. And it's like, <laughs> well, I, I guess that's how it works. I think uh, I imparted, A, that you probably shouldn't do drugs because I was that guy when she was growing up. And then I became like the celebrity junkie which every kid wants as a dad, so that on PTA nights, all the parents would like move to the other side of the room where sure. we, we entered to sit. Like, the kid that means you're famous. That's night. what people love. Well, it means you're kind of creepy and oh, dangerous. right, okay, and, right, uh, right. That he's too. the heroin guy. Sure, and, sure. Uh, leather yeah. pants. What's with the leather pants? I, I love the leather, just the leather panty yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing them underneath right It's now. good, it's yeah. good, it's fun, quicker. It doesn't breathe, though. Mm-hmm. No, but it keeps everything in. So true. Yep. Almost everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So at what point did you feel like you had to sort of go back and um, mend anything with her? Or were you just like, hey, I'm okay now? Or was there a no, moment? No, of, of course. You know, I, there's that lifelong sense of, man, that was fucked up. But uh, I think you do that thing where you just try to live a, a stand-up life now. And, and, you know, maybe the lesson is, you know, people can change, you know, but Jesus, you'd have to talk to her because, you know, there's probably an issue or two there, you know. But I think I might have made her an artist, yeah. you know, in the, Hemi- <laughs> in the Hemingway sense. Well, you know, you know? my uh, my parents, well, my dad, like, you know, did a lot of coke and smoked a bunch of weed and drank and stuff like that when I was I didn't growing. know that. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, did, I say, did I say that you would know it? Or did not, I can't remember. Uh, I felt like I should know it. No, That's no, no, no. Uh, but it's just, a, it's a thing that happened. And I, I tell people that, and like, I go, oh yeah, my dad was, you know, doing a lot of blow. In front and, of you? No, kind of. There was a lot of, you I know. I mean, if he's doing it off your back, you're not really seeing it. Yeah, I can't see it. But, yeah, but I, I can, I can, <laughs> I can hear it tickling me. feel it. Yeah, yeah. With his nose. Yeah, yeah. His nose tickles. That's a, oh, that's so cute. Another ski trip pop. <laughs> um, but, uh. But you know, and I, I didn't understand. I knew it. I knew it was drugs. I knew it was bad. And I, yeah, I knew he had a real problem. There was always mm-hmm. like, you know, Dad might go away for a bit. Kind of like conversations here and there, and a lot of yeah. a lot of erratic behavior. But when I, I went, when I got older, and I think there's a big part of like, uh, you know, of growing up and becoming an adult is, uh, you know, forgiving your parents. It's yeah, a, sure. kind of a thing where it's just, you're like you're like they're just a human being that you know ha- had you know made mistakes just like anybody yeah. else and it w- had nothing to do with me yeah and so that w- that was a big part of a you know and it, it did at the time right. I was confused and I didn't understand certain sure, why yeah. you know things were but you know coming from a you know a childhood of just you know parents doing drugs. I, I, I came out of it going like, well, it had nothing to do with me. I forgive them. They're just people. Well, that's pretty enlightened. Yeah. I mean, my, my old man kind of like checked himself out when I was 16, kind of went went into the garage and, you know, did the old uh, exhaust routine. Goof! Which, fun fact, people try to do that now and they don't realize with unleaded gas, they're just going to get a headache <laughs> and they just sit in the garage for like two days <laughs> feeling weirdly nauseous and they never go anywhere. It's like putting your head in an electric oven. Kind of like that, yeah. except... Probably not as hot. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I didn't know that. That's awesome. So, uh, but but what that teaches you is a very strange lesson. Which when you, especially when you're like at 16, you're like, well, fuck it, nothing matters, you know. Yeah. And and you get that lesson into your head, mm. which uh, probably not a good one, you know. But I think the best you can do with a kid is just try to like fuck them up in the opposite way you got fucked up, and hope somewhere in the middle. You and know? and especially especially I would imagine at that time if you were 16 and was that in the 70s. Yes. Well, that wasn't actually in 69. 69. So in 69... I'm an older gentleman. You're an older gentleman. Thank well, you, you look good, though. Thank you so much. Um, Talk to my liver. It's uh, <laughs> in, in, in 69, that's not really a time where people are like, oh, something horrible happened. We should get these kids into therapy and try to work it out. Oh, and God, really, no. It was, was like, way don't talk re- about it. Free all that. Keep it in the family. Yeah. 
Yeah. Where, you know, only crazy people see doctor, you know? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of that in my family. Yeah, a lot of craziness. Um, not to tell tales out of school, but I mean, it was, it's, I've, I've written about it all, but like, yeah, but we think my mother was going on vacation and she would be going to Western Psychiatric for uh, Edison Medicine, you know, for the electroshock, which back then people still did, you know? So I think it's, it's, it is sort of a gift having that because as you grow up, you sort of realize you might as well be fucking happy because otherwise you just, you know, you're not going to beat the odds. You know, it's, it's too, you just find your cliche, right? You know, and the cliche of being sort of the black leather dark guy, it just gets tired for me after a while. You know, I was the guy who came to LA, continued to dress like I was on the subway at 3 a.m. <laughs> and scaring off the muggers, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like I'd go to the beach in a fucking black leather trench coat. It was pathetic. <laughs> you know? I just didn't get how to make the transition, yeah. you know? So. so ultimately, do you feel like you won or succeeded? I mean, it seems like if to come out of the upbringing that you had and to come through... Which a lot of people have. I don't want to sound like mine is... You know the worst. No, that's People true. But it, was, it was pretty bad. It was if, tricky. If both yeah. of your parents had, yeah, it was tricky. Yeah. Psychiatric issues, and your father sure. committed suicide yeah, when yeah, you yeah. were young. I mean, like, and then to go through everything that you went through, and and now, like, you know, you have a, uh, what I presume is a good relationship with your daughter, and things are going well, and you're working, and you're helping people, and you're talking about it. I mean, do you feel like you've succeeded? Well, I feel like I, I did that, and uh, I, I think the great gift of, of going through all that is uh, you get to tell other people what happened, you know, uh, so that they don't feel so fucking bad about themselves. Sure. You know what I mean? Because I know if you just think you're the only one who went through that, you feel creepy, you know, but I think essentially all our secrets are the same, you know, and uh, if you let that out, people... I suddenly felt like Billy Graham Jr. just for a second. <laughs> just for a and, second. And, and, and I creeped myself right out of my socks. Yeah. But uh, you asked the question. I'm trying to, you know. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. I, I think that is the best you can do is just sort of show people that, you know, what the fuck, you know. But it did, it, it, you know, it's still a fight. You know, it's like it's like running up a down escalator just to stay in the middle, you know. If you're not sort of vigilant uh, spiritually and emotionally, or however you want to call it, you know, I'll go back down. Just like you were talking at the end sure. of the day, your natural state is not to be like an upbeat guy, but you work at it and you do it because you think that's important. Well, I just think it's a ground state because I think you have, you know, um, you basically have this economy of en- there's this economy of energy that well, that's you a have. Great way to look at it, yeah. And so you can only devote it to so much and I, and I, I think that means like physical and mental sure. stuff so in yeah. terms of you know if you're devoting too much energy to one thing you might get physically sick because all of your energy was being mm-hmm. devoted to this other thing and not fighting off germs but does balance come easy to you um it's come it's coming a lot easier because right. I because I recognize I mean I I, I weirdly uh, even though I don't love them, I, I respect the power of my imperfections. I, I know that I can easily be consumed by the things that are bad about me. And so because I know that – because I know that's a thing, mm. I think that makes me more comfortable because, yeah. you know, like if I feel anxious or if I feel – you know, I can go – rather than feeling like I'm a victim of it, I can go, 
that's a thing my brain does. That's just a thing that happens, and so that's not really a real that's thing. That's not me. It's not really yeah. a real thing, and I don't have to. Yeah. I don't have to give into it. Ju- sure. ju- just because I feel something doesn't mean I have to give into it. Which yeah. I guess is how you. Yeah, feelings aren't facts. They're not facts. Yeah, they're not facts, and it's you know it is sort of a, sort of a weird dialogue that we have with our brain, and I really had to learn that you don't have to listen to your brain all the time. Well, what made you negative? I mean, why, why is that your state? What, did you have a childhood that was interesting in its own festive way? My childhood was somewhat tumultuous. My parents hated each other. and, and Well, that's a great example right out of the gate. <laughs> right? It was. My, my a lot par- of public fight. I mean, just yeah. like fighting in front of you. And yeah, you fighting in front of me. Oh, you know, the worst. And, and so, that's scary. Um, it, was, it, was, it was tumultuous, but I, but I also feel like um, I'm... I, I'm, and I think this is true for a lot of sense. I'm just hypersensitive. I'm a very sensitive course, person, yeah, and so, yeah. like I said before, it's easy to get negative because you're trying to control the situation because it's it's devastating when you're disappointed, like or sure, yeah. you know, it, or or yeah. when you feel sadness, you don't just like oh I'm bummed. You really feel sadness. So like I, I've really, you really do have to learn that. You really have to learn to try to respect all of your emotions and go, yeah. well, if I'm sad, I guess I just need to be sad. Like, you shouldn't be so afraid of feeling things. But that's almost yeah. un-American because now we're supposed to take a pill for it. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm by nature a catastrophizer. I mean, everything is like, if I feel bad, it's always going to be fucked. This is it. <laughs> right. And you just realize, you know, everything changes if you just fucking sit there. You know? What's a book? Yeah. Is, is it happy fun pills? Close. It, it is. Happy Mutant Baby Baby Pills. Yes, thank you for asking. Yes. Yes, which is uh, a bit about that petrochemical pharma industry that we all love. Because one of the characters, the guy who writes side effects, he's like a failed writer. (laughs) He grew up like the classic guy who reads the backs of cereal boxes and wants to be Hemingway, then grows up and writes the backs of cereal boxes. So he's the guy who came up with like anal leakage. (laughs) Because... You know, he worked with seepage is very kind of horrible and gross, but like leakage is kind of around the house. You know, faucets yeah. leak, tires leak, and it makes it kind of palatable. For Olestra? So that's his claim to fame. Yes, for Olestra. <laughs> uh, and other leakage-oriented products. <laughs> Leakage-inducing. Yes. Is there a pill just for anal leakage? But to make it happen or to make it stop? To make it happen. Oh, okay. Because if you want to make it stop, you could just put the pill in your butt to yeah, plug yeah. it. Then it's a suppository. Uh, I guess. That doesn't plug it. Suppository will smooth the exit because you know in France. Yeah, that's you how... fucking idiot, Jonah. <laughs> well, I suppose if it were, if you kept it in a wrapper, yeah, yeah, that yeah. would plug just the, shit the, out of it. the yeah. pill like bottle. I... You put the pill bottle, and that's the plug. I rest your case. Yeah, yes, very true. Yeah, I you know I, I think there's there's certain times where I, uh, in my life where I've I thought about like it's like a, I go wouldn't it, be, it would be so easy if I could just like take a pill and I wouldn't have like anxiety or have these bouts of, you know, feeling sad. And then, uh, it's, it's just one of those things when you're in, when you're in the shit, you don't think there, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's, uh, every time I kind of come out of just a little bit of a slump or a, a stupor, um, I go, Oh, good thing. I wasn't good thing. I didn't go and get fucking pills for this. Yes. Cause now I'd be in withdrawal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I, I, you know, i I feel like I started, a. More, more at the behest of uh, Chris telling me, like he's like, you know, if you get on a regular workout regimen, I agree. You'll, yeah, you'll like you won't feel the need to. I totally yeah. agree. I think the answer is physical. It's not more talk for me, just personal. But it's all the mind body yeah. thing is incredibly tied. You, you just keep yeah. yourself kind of going and keep mm-hmm. the blood moving around. Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, Chris was telling me that for years, years and years. He's like, if you just 
you yeah. won't happen. It it's will, hard it will to still start, happen. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard to start. And I was never like a physical guy, but you know, if, once you like you know get into it, it's just uh, you you don't even think about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. But it, it it doesn't come natural. No, you know, clearly the three guys sitting at this table, we're not <laughs> we're not born with the happiness gene necessarily. No. Well, I just think it's important to feel the things that you're supposed to feel, and and taking pills or not feeling things. It, I mean, I, I'm sorry to quote the worst Star Trek movie, but in Final Frontier, there's this whole thing where Spock's brother basically takes away all of their pain, and they just get really like just like starry-eyed and blissful and then <laughs> and then Kirk's like I don't want to he says something like my pain is what makes me who I am. Yes. And you know even though it's not a great even though it's not a great movie it's a, it's a really valid point that, that is a it's good point. that is I feel like it's important to it's important to feel those things because they do they do shape you and you and like and, and especially in your case you can take those things and you can do something constructive and you can do something positive and 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 you know, I, I'm sure you don't look back and go, hey, it was really awesome. I did all those things. But on some level, you must kind of feel like, hey, I, I'm kind of glad I went through that so that I could be the person that I am now. Sure. It basically, it's like I couldn't be here if I didn't go there. Right. Yeah. You know, which is not the worst feeling in the world to have. But a person with your attitude is basically the pharmaceutical industry's worst nightmare. Because <laughs> with people like you who say, I'm actually going to feel my fucking feelings and you know just do that thing of like don't just do something sit there you know mm-hmm. don't take a pill uh what would happen to the antidepressant industry what would happen and uh, and i no knock on you know if that works for you god bless you know but most people i think in america feel like if they have a feeling they need to medicate yeah, yeah. the two guys i've known to commit suicide uh were you know they weren't the most depressed guys but they got on meds and then they tried to get off that's and then the, that's when they did yeah. it it's and, and again yeah. it's like you said there are definitely people who need to be chemically balanced but sure. but we but i think everyone would admit that that a lot of people taking these drugs do not need these you know like they really don't need that um so it's good you know i i, I and i don't know what the solution is i guess well Hopefully you're lucky enough that you have a good doctor. Well, I'm, you know, I'm always whenever the doctor has whatever pill he is prescribing, it's like written on the pen that he writes the pad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dead giveaway. <laughs> That's how you know. You're just like, you know what? I just not feeling this is necessarily called. So for. you have a closet full of these samples? Yeah. yeah. Uh, doctor kickback. Yeah, yeah. Sure? It's like a real usual suspects moment where you flash back and you just see the <laughs> you see the brand and the pen yeah. and the pad. Excuse me, yeah. it's pronounced kickback. It's German. Oh, kickback. <laughs> yeah, it's not kickback. Yeah. Um, but uh, oh, that's funny. Well, we're at about an hour, our, our hour, which is good. Which is a funny way to say that because this was a nice therapeutic session. Thank you. Um, Happy Mutant Baby Pills uh, is is out now, I assume, not only in hard copy, but also places where you might purchase digital downloads of things. It is everywhere. It's on tape. It's online. It's ebook. It's all your... And thank you to Mark Marin for kicking your name over to me i really i really appreciate it this yeah was really great. I mean, he did just kick it over he was like yeah, yeah. fuck him yeah. you know what get him out of my life i mean honestly <laughs> uh you know c- come back uh, come back every so often and, oh, i'd love you know, to just man hang this out is, with this us great check yeah. in yeah cool thanks cool. jerry Stahl. thank you i feel so much better and refreshed i think we figured it out guys <laughs> yeah you can use the back door <laughs> i assumed i would have to <laughs> enjoy your burrito everyone Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. 
Murder on My Mind, a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus, explores the circumstances leading up to the murder of two young men and the mistrials of the man accused of killing them. Up-and-coming rapper YNW Melly gained notoriety in the hip-hop world for his shocking lyrics and criminal exploits. When two of his best friends were gunned down in a drive-by shooting, investigators suspected the young rapper staged the scene. But after not one but two trials that ended in hung juries and new evidence that may place YNW Melly at the scene of the crime, his trial has been paused indefinitely. With countless twists and turns, Law and Crime covers all angles of the case and begs the question, is this young artist the victim of a witch hunt or a silver-tongued devil who's evil to the core? Listen to Murder on My Mind exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.